Paramatta Samutti Satcha and Paramatta Satcha So here and now is uh, is eternity. To realize the deathless and the infinite, just now, timeless. And then the seasons change. Now it's springtime, the summer. Summer solstice, one like that. These are the conventional realities we use. It's all about something begins and then it ends, changing. And what is what what is what doesn't begin and end in the present? What is the deathless now? It is like self-inquiry, like a conundrum that you carry with you. So that more and more you, you know, you're, you're reminding yourself to uh, not get caught up in just the attachment and belief in the conventional reality that that we that everybody believes is the real world. And the conventional reality is the real world. <coughs> so. And so if everybody believes that, then it has a lot of impact, you know, on, on the mind. And everybody, you know, Tony Bear, Blair believes it, Queen Elizabeth believes it, Archbishop of Canterbury believes it. Um, almost everybody is operating on the conventional in the conventional reality as the ultimate is what is really true so to, to be able to to uh, not be caught in that illusion takes this continuous kind of effort of looking examining paying attention Then you, you break through. You have a kind of a conventional reality is seen from what it is, and no longer has the uh, you're not you're no longer blindly caught and, and operating from the conventional world. You can still use the conventional world, but now that's not the the uh, deceiving quality of it is no longer there, no longer deceived or deluded by it. The self is, is a delusion, isn't it? The self-view. Anyway, don't believe me, it's something to, to really question and investigate. What is your real self? That Buddhists believe there isn't any self. Well, I believe that there isn't any self. I don't have any self. That's not it. To go around believing that you don't have a self. (laughs) (laughs) 
but what is your opinion? What is really mine? What is really permanent? What is really true? It's like a self self inquiry. You're not settling for for a, for an answer that's given to you by somebody else. Right? You're using that a conundrum, a kind of puzzle, um, uh, an unanswerable question that can only be answered through realization, not through uh, through uh, words or ideas. So you're not trying to, you know, read what what is uh, what does Confucius say about uh, what is Lao Tzu and Plato and all that, but you know, <laughs> read what you know Spinoza. What did he say about? It? <laughs> but uh, I mean, it is fair enough. You can kind of take an interest in the in pages of the past, but. Even you know grasping their realization is not what they meant. Well, it's not you know not not with them. So, so finding out for yourself. Uh, the book that Sister Mandy gave me, Open Secrets. That was this Jewish uh, rabbi kind of uh, letters to his son. Fascinating. Oh, disciples. Disciples. Kind of uh, getting the disciple to to question and look into experience rather than just take positions religious positions of what the, the theologians say or the priests. Contemplate the experience as the uh, from the axis mundi position. You know, each one of you, each one of us, you know, you're you're all objects in my mind right now, as far as experience goes. Even on a conventional level, you know, we're all equal uh, human beings, and my name is. Not possible, and your name is <laughs> and uh, we have views about each other and, and ideals about society. But in terms of direct experience, right now, what's happening? You know, but what is it? You're in my field of vision. That's my mind, isn't it? That's, that's the I can't see my. I can see. You know, I can see my hand, and I can't myself sitting here. You can see me, but I can't. 
but I'm <laughs> I can see you, but you can't see yourself. <laughs> and that's like the axis moon is the point, center point. And then the personality view comes in and says, well, I'm just, you know, an ordinary person born in uh, Des Moines, Iowa. My mother was a school teacher, my father was a plumber. And I was just an ordinary guy, really, you know. I'm sorry, I don't feel like access one day of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> But feeling I'm just an ordinary guy, you know, that is, is like, that's, that's the personality view, you know. Be thinking of yourself in any way is, it's not, this, not, not to believe that you're, you are the axis mundi, then that's ridiculous. But, but that in terms of experience, that's what we're actually experiencing. That is, the, the, the universe impinges on us. You know, the body's born, and then, then experience is always coming at us in some form. You know, like the temperature of the room, or the wind blowing, or hunger, or or thirst, and then uh, things pass in front of our eyes. You know, hearing, the smell, taste, touch. We get conditioned with our cultural, social attitudes. We become this and that, we identify with the, with the different uh, conditions that, that we get, and then we build, a, we build ourselves into a personality uh, that we, that tends to uh, be felt, which is basically inadequate, because that's not what you really are, you're not that, you're not limited by, by what you tend to limit yourself with. That's the illusion of being a personality. You're always bound into kind of conditions that aren't really true, but you, you're kind of subscribing to it and believing in it. So then you tend to experience everything through these biases and, and so everything that happens is happening to me and, and it's not, you know, something bad passes in front of your vision. Why does life have to be bad to me like this? Why can't only pleasurable, beautiful things come in to my field of vision? Why does it have to be harsh noise? Why can't it just be beautiful sounds that enter my ears? And why can't I just have, why can't everything be fair in society? And everybody loving and treated properly, equal and compassionate? And, why does it have to be like this? And earthquakes and hurricanes. And then uh, that's the, the personality view, the self view. And this way, taking it on a, on, you know, this is a personal kind of uh, experience. And then in, in terms of Dhamma, we're looking at it now in terms of the way it is. This is experiences like this. Pleasure, pain, uh, beauty, ugliness, and all that are part of experience. You know, everybody experiences that. You can't 
how much control can you have over it? And is it that you spend your life just trying to control everything so you only have pleasure? Because you're building, you're doing it out of ignorance and fear, rather than out of wisdom. And the inevitable forces of old age, sickness, and death are happening too. It's not sort of, you know, face the fact of old age, physical degeneration, disease. Death, separation, loss. It's interesting in that book about describing evil. Uh, the word that that always uh, kind of interested me because uh, it was one of the big problems I had with Christianity was I couldn't figure out why if God created everything, why why there was evil. Why? So I asked, did God create evil? And they said, no, no, no. I said, God created everything. Yes, yes. Well, then why is there evil? <laughs> well, he didn't create it. <laughs> Nobody knew. <laughs> they say, we, 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 we create evil, but God doesn't. And then this book is evil is you know that like he puts old age sickness death and experiences of natural evil or the the side of life the downside of life the, the uh, like because we do we're on this planet even they have earthquakes and and hurricanes and, and tidal waves and, and all these kind of droughts and famines and things like this that are, you know, that, uh, that you can't blame on anybody. You know, they just happen naturally. Like old age, sickness and death are natural. So then, and the Buddha pointed to that, that this, uh, this is natural evil. This is, uh, this is the dark side or the degenerating, the rotting, the stinking, the the ugly side of life as experience, and uh, but then then uh, human beings, what can we, you know, we have to, we we learn from this, but then we with morality and spiritual uh, aspiration, we we determine not to to commit evil acts like intentional acts. Of harming or or deceiving, lying, uh, exploiting, misusing the environment. So then, this is like the dukkha, the sabawa dukkha, the natural dukkha that we have in terms of the Buddhist word dukkha is a, you know, this natural state where old age, sickness, death happens, natural catastrophe. Um, <coughs> Uh, you know the decay of things, and, the, and you know the the uh, this dark side of experience is pointed to in terms of understanding it, rather than just trying to uh, 
deny it or not look or get rid of it. So it's the power dukkha and then in the book Cobra figures is like natural evil. Uh, these are this is just the way this this realm operates, which is a natural state. And we we determine not to intentionally do evil things. So like Sila isn't it with the five precepts and that is is the uh, determination to not use your body or speech for harming things or deceiving or exploiting. So then, then in terms of how they use God in this book, it's like uh, God is everything, so evil included. Of course, my mother would have problems with that. <laughs> she couldn't bear to think of God as because her mind very was very you know had to see God only as good. Say in Hinduism, isn't it? The evil, like Mother Kali, is that's a really that's a problematic vision for most Western people, isn't it? These uh, pictures of Mother Kali, you know, this horrendous hag with this tongue sticking out, and a necklace of skulls. See, see, this she's destructive and, and hideous female, the, the, the hag, the, the witch, the, the bitch, <laughs> the, the, the mother that gives birth and then eats her own, what she gives birth to. She gives his birth and she takes his back and she consumes her own children. You know, that, that's really evil in terms of uh, dualistic Western Christian thinking. But in terms of, uh, of a symbol of the way things are, it's quite valid. Mother Kali is quite a powerful uh, icon. You can relate to it in terms of, of the way things are, of time, the time-bound condition rather like that. The Westerners, they think the Hindus are worshipping a demon. That the Kali cults are demonic. Which they can be. You can misuse symbols as a problem. You really use them for the wrong thing. But in terms of reflection, you know, really trying to put the, the good and the bad and the the uh, uh, dualism of the conditioned realm into perspective rather than just trying to to divide everything and and suppress the, the dark side and hold on to the good side. Knowing Buddhism, what is doing You're embracing the whole thing and dualizing it. You're not always going to feel good and have beautiful thoughts and, and uh, 
have you know, lovely visions and, and be happy. But so much of our experience is quite, can be quite ugly. An ugly thing about dark moods and, and uh, gross desires. But in terms of, of uh, uh, mindfulness, and the whole thing, the thinking in terms of what it is, all conditions are impermanent. Sometimes by the free of interesting at this time where people talk a lot of the dark side and, uh, I this never you know, I was always interested in the dark side you know I was, I've always found a fascination for evil uh, evil that always fascinated me <coughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, I've also had, you know, my evil in my own mind's fascinated me. And uh, what, what I found most difficult in the spiritual life is dealing not with evil, but with, with things like boredom and restlessness, dullness, passion, hatred is quite exciting, indignation. There's so much resistance to boredom and just the bleakness kind of despair, meaninglessness, dreariness. So that, that uh, because of all, that, something I always resisted, didn't you know, just try to to deny or push away. I recognize in this life a lot of it is, you know, the, the boringness of it, the bleakness, the tediousness, the, <coughs> the, uh, the dullness, the, the pettiness that can come up in the mind in a community like this, how petty some of one's feelings can be. It's really selfish and petty and stupid. And that, but that also is embraced in the moment. Condition arising ceasing. So that this uh, mindfulness is, uh, is, is, the, is the gate to the deathless. It's the the gate to the deathless are open. Those who pay attention, they're troubled in whatever you're experiencing now. What it is, it's like this. And as you let go, trying to resist and and, and adjust and manipulate and control, and then you then you begin to recognize uh, or realize the difference. And that gate is through this mindfulness, through through paying attention. to being awake even to sleepiness being awake to to restlessness to stupidity to uh, to deep dreariness of the mind a little dreariness I remember going through stage in the 
Yeah, and on that level, everything seems so dreary. Just, um, that, you know, living in Northeast Thailand is kind of dreary there. Dreary. In this hot season, it just feels so lethargic and black and dreariness. Wake up and another dreary day. <laughs> Everything looks bleak. But then, as you're, uh, so then it, you know, you want to make life interesting and uh, lively here and uh, swinging and groovy. And then as you, you see, you know, when you try to do that, you can only kind of wind yourself up sometimes and then you all collapse. And <laughs> <laughs> so, there's a contemplation of this bleakness. And, uh, I found that helpful, like here in, uh, we're coming to England, the, the bleakness of the winter time. Remember, looking at uh, the first time, I thought, you know, there's no leaves on the trees, and when you come in, you go through the countryside, and all the trees are bare and bleak, and sometimes the skies are gray and it's cold. Very dreary. And then I, I said, well, why, well, why not, why not, why, why not, rather than just uh, get caught in, in being averse to it. What is it really like to experience that? You know, you to really appreciate the, the knots on the trees, the, the colors of the trees, of the trees when the leaves are gone. Start looking at the trunks and you see all these kind of subtle colors and beautiful colors in the subtle, not that kind of like springtime of the colors of red and yellow kind of uh, outstanding, but just uh, the, the subdued quality of winter. And that, and so you start contemplating it in terms of experience. So you begin to see it, that, you know, instead of just reacting, getting caught in, and just, uh, you know, kind of going along with a fixed view you have about it, you can always try to look at it in a different way. <coughs> And that's why I like this you know, embracing, you know, embracing this suffering or this bleakness. Because embracing always like a voluntary act, isn't it? A loving act to embrace somebody. You got to embrace the whole person, you not know, just embracing the part of life. <laughs> <laughs> when you embrace somebody, you take on the whole whole being. You know, you so <laughs> 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 then, uh, where where they when I the idea of embracing having taken on all of it, you know, the good, the pleasant, the painful part together. There's an attitude of just selecting. I like this, but don't like that. To embracing the whole, which means the good and the evil. Good and evil. 
And that changes your relationship to life. And once you embrace, then you're, you're relating to it in the present and for what it is rather than, than being picky and fussy and critical and saying, I this and I I like this. I want this, but I don't want that. And you're, you're always, uh, you know, you're, you're always in a state of uh, trying to control everything. And you know, can create these endless tensions all the time. There's always this threat of what you don't like coming to you. You know, something bad happening to me. There's always that. You know, it's kind of trying to push it away and hold on to this. Of this sense of embracing is what you think. sickness, death, grief, sorrow, despair, and anguish, loss of the loved, health, uh, health, uh, sickness, good, uh, praise and blame, the whole lot. And then you, and that very act of embracing is like that. Is, is coming, you know, not, you're not being pushed into a corner where you have to do it, you just, you know, it's, it's an act of love and compassion rather than just uh, resigning yourself to, uh, in, a, in a negative way, to the experience of life. You're actually moving toward it and, and in this center of X movie, you're <coughs> opening wide to life and learning and understanding. Because that's what this human state is all about, isn't it? What other purpose does it have? We need to learn these things. We can't have our time to learn. Whether we do it or not, I mean, that's With a teaching like the Buddhas, you certainly, you can't say that you've not, you haven't had the opportunity. <laughs> Some people have never heard the Buddhist teaching, they don't, they've never had, but all of us have had, have this opportunity. Sharing on and this this word sharing but it's not like uh, you have to share your deepest <laughs> insights and most personal experiences with all of us. wonders 2,000 years ago 
then you, then you, then somebody gives you a petrified uh, woolly mammoth tooth that's seventy uh, seventy thousand years old. In the museum, there's a petrified woolly mammoth tooth that's seventy five thousand years old. Something like that. Very old. And there's dinosaurs died out about 80 million years ago. 80 million years ago. theories about God creating all this and why why would he create anything like a dinosaur? (laughs) 